Hey, another great episode of Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you heard, please go online to redsearadio.org and donate, become a monthly sustaining member, and keep us on the air. Thank you and God bless. Good morning. This is Red Sea Radio, and I am your host today, Pam Marvin. With me this morning in the control room is Thaddeus and my sweet Caitlin Brightwell. I'm so excited to have her joining me today. I get so excited just to be around her. She blesses me more than anyone could ever know. So welcome, Caitlin. Thank you. That feeling is mutual. Well, this morning in the second half of the show, I am so extraordinarily excited to tell you that after a couple of calls over the last year, Father David Condorla had agreed to, to excuse me, Bishop David Condorla had agreed to meet me um, on the phone and discuss the virtues of faith, hope, and love. So for those of you that have been following my show, you'll know that the human virtues and um Human formation has really been on my heart because I, I feel like that's a one way for us to be more well-formed, grow in virtue, grow in holiness and purity. And uh, he had, the good Lord had put it on my heart over a year ago um, for Bishop David to talk about faith, hope, and love. And uh, he'll be joining us via recording after the break. Um, and it was beautiful and wonderful. So I'm glad you're here to to listen to his words of wisdom with that being said, I want to talk a little bit about the benefit dinner and that coming up pretty soon. Who wants to talk about that? It is coming up sooner than you might think. It feels far away, but it's actually a lot closer than it is. It's October, it correct? November, November 7th. Thursday, November 7th. Got it. Doors open at 630. Yay. Same What's place. The theme? What's the theme? The theme is... Give thanks. Oh, I love that. So, and we're giving thanks, and we're also giving thanks because we are so happy to have for our speaker, Father Albert Hass, uh, chaplain of the Cedar Break Catholic Retreat Center here in the Diocese of Austin, and a wonderful Franciscan father, a missionary, retreat director, spiritual director. He's going to do a great job for us. I know a lot of people in the community are familiar with him here in the Brazos Valley. Very excited to have him. And uh, that's going to be November 7th, 6.30 p.m. to 9 at St. Thomas Aquinas. And you'll find uh, tickets online or to donate. Go to the same Mm -hmm. Red Sea ticket exchange, redsearadio.org slash benefit. You can get your tickets, $25 per ticket there. You can also reserve a table so that you can bring your whole family, Yay. some of your friends, maybe coworkers from your business that mm. wants to sponsor a table at the Red Sea Benefit Dinner, starting at $500 all the way up to $5,000. We're still looking for that elusive $5,000 table for the Benefit Dinner this year. Who wants to... Who wants to take that challenge? Well, Who gonna, out there listening? That's right. I'm going to pray in Thanksgiving for that person. So you're here and you're listening and I'm thank, I'm saying thanks for you. Yes, you. You're the one I'm talking about. <laughs> so 
Who is going to MC? Uh, that cannot be released yet. No, we don't have that. I don't have the. Uh, I don't have the authorization to say who oh, that's going to be. Okay, okay, because that's always fun too. That's really fun. Mm-hmm. It is a fun job, and usually we'll get a testimonial from a from a listener, someone whose um, faith has been strengthened, or mm-hmm. maybe they've come into the church by Those listening. Are beautiful, very they, powerful. Maybe they've been away from the practice of their faith and listening to the, to the radio has brought them back to the regular practice of their mm, faith. So we always try to get somebody to speak for a few minutes to the, um, to the gathered assembly. And I think, you know, one of the best things about the benefit dinner is just, it's a, it's a fun time. There seems to be always I really good energy thoroughly, in the room. People, oh, yes. people, it's a, it's a time for people to catch up with one another. I'm sure there are some people who, the time that's the only time they see each other during the year is is maybe at the benefit dinner old old friends or old coworkers or old acquaintances and they they meet up there it's, there seems to be that kind of a, a feeling right. in the room so hopefully Megan Silas might be there she came in one year and I was like oh I think I like got emotional but you know me I never get emotional no <laughs> no you are <laughs> you're cold you're it's a really gift. cold it's a gift I keep telling myself that yeah so that's again that's the Red Sea Catholic Radio Benefit Dinner here in Bryan College Station for the KEDC listening area. That's November 7th, Thursday, November 7th, 6.30 p.m. In all things, give thanks Mm. is the theme. Father Albert Haas is the Benefit Dinner keynote speaker. Red Sea Catholic Radio Benefit Dinner, redsearadio.org slash Benefit Dinner to get your tickets or reserve your tables. Deo gracias. Please do it. It's your radio station, and this is right. how you you make it possible, and you keep it on the air. Keep well, us on the air. Well, speaking about bringing people into the fold, I hear this thing, Caitlin, called the well. The well. Yes. Tell me more about that. Actually, I have been. I've got a little taste of the water from the well, but it's going on tonight, correct? Sure is. 6.30 at the Cotton Exchange in downtown Bryan. I've gone from the beginning, and every time it's been amazing. There's mm. praise and worship, a uh, talk about this coming week's gospel readings, correct? Yes. Um, we gather in small groups afterwards to talk about, they put up some reflection questions where you can answer those or just talk about anything you want to in your little group, and those get pretty deep, and they're just really good fellowship. And then after that, there's some more praise and worship and a bunch of chattering afterwards, so it's a really good time. Good time to praise and worship and right. catch up with people and just gather in fellowship with believers. Right. The I For me, it was like just being with the family, you know, lots of like-minded people. But this is also for those um, friends and family members who maybe have grown a little lukewarm with the faith. And, and uh, we just want to show them this different side, this passion that we have. Um, Allison, I think, is, is usually the speaker mm-hmm. who does the reflection. And she's a very dynamic speaker and very passionate and very beautiful. So if if uh, you have someone you'd like to bring, that's really part of the the crux of it is to to bring people to the well, to mm-hmm. drink of the living water. So it's really beautiful. So yeah. um, very very thankful for that ministry. I also want to talk about the praise and worship. Speaking of praise and worship, for the entire family on Sunday, September the 29th, everyone is invited to Christ the Good Shepherd Chapel. You know, I really have. I've taken part of this a couple of times and it's just very, very powerful. Uh, one of my favorite parts is uh, having the Eucharist exposed with praise and worship and actually having prayer ministers praying over people and with people. 
during that time. This is a this is kind of one of those um, tools that I think needs to be developed ever more is, is praying over and with people. And Encounter is a beautiful way if you've not been really exposed to that uh, to come and see what that's like. Uh, they're also going to have um, the night begins with a fa- family potluck dinner at 630 at the secondary campus. And again, it's, it's a great time for St. Joseph Youth Ministry staff and families to get to know one another uh, right there before Encounter, which indeed I say Amen to that. So pretty awesome stuff. Look at our community is so alive. I'm loving this. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget about coming up towards the end of this month. St. Thomas Aquinas. Aquinas, Aquinas Fest. Fest. That's right. Mm-hmm. We're going to be broadcasting from there on Yay. Sunday. Yeah, we will. Is that last weekend? Is it also like the, the 29th or mm-hmm. the 28th, 7th, 8th, 9th, yeah. like that? It's that Friday, Sunday mm-hmm. split that they do. Mm-hmm. It's a real interesting you know thing that they do there. It's very unique to them. Yes. Do the Friday Sunday thing. That's awesome. Yeah, bingo, bingo it. on Friday, and the live auction, popcorn, auction. Oh. popcorn mm. on Friday. Good food. Mm-hmm. Lots of good food. Car there. raffle, <laughs> train rides, kitty train oh, rides. Yeah, bouncy houses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, face remember, painting. I don't know if they're going to do the horses again. Remember they had the horses a couple yeah, couple years. Yeah, they have done that. Yeah. No, maybe someone they, can let us know that. They blow it out over there. For Aquinas good. Fest. Anyway, so go good. definitely go to that. It's it's one of those things that everyone who lives around here goes to, mm. for sure, for sure. Love that. Well, there's also one thing we should talk about, too, is the saint of the day. Do you know who the saint of the day is? I'm going to have to confess that I don't know off the top of my head who the saint of the day is, Pam. So that's why we have you here that's right. to enlighten us. Exactly, and... My computer's not working well. <laughs> I'm supposed surprised. But tomorrow is St. Januarius, even though it's September. What do you think <laughs> about that? I bet you weren't expecting that, huh? No, not at all. What is that? A couple of days ago on, well, yesterday, as a matter of fact, the, Septem- the, se- the 17th of September that is one of my favorite saints was his feast day yesterday. That's St. Robert Bellarmine. Tell me about him. I, I've heard it before, but what was he specifically great, known for? Great Jesuit, one of the one of the Counter-Reformation Jesuit saints. He was a cardinal. He's a doctor of the church. Um, great writer. Um, he actually did some writing on the... Basis of civil government. This is in the this is in the 16th century now, the 1500s. He's writing this, and he developed out of kind of the Catholic uh, intellectual tradition the, that um, whatever whatever government is over a society ultimately does have to to it has to be have the consent of the of the governed. It has to have the consent of the people to be legitimate. Mm. That's part of where the legitimacy of the of the government comes from. And that was picked up through some other thinkers and writers by Thomas Jefferson that he, um, that he wrote. So there's, there's the roots of the declaration of independence actually can be traced back to some of the writings of St. Robert Bellarmine. Is that right? Yeah. So where he was in what region? Well, he was, he was an Italian. He, he was in okay. in the Roman Curia at, towards the end of his life. Mm. He was a cardinal. 
That's amazing. Writing writing in uh, in Italy in the 16th century, late 16th century. Yeah. Beautiful. So, are you ready for Pam's ponderings? Yes. Tell, we got this new <laughs> occasional segment. Occasional, yes. Pam's ponderings. Right. So, I um, I've decided that when something really strikes me and stands out, where it's like, wow. Is something fresh and new and something to really ponder and take to heart. Um, I'm going to bring it to you guys and, and maybe it will um, strike you the same way it did me. So you ready? Uh, many of us have the issue of battling with distraction during mass, during prayer and things like that. Just that's huge. And that's one of my big things. And uh, I've oftentimes just like, okay, Lord, you're in charge. I'm going to be distracted. Help me to control it. But if not, just let me do what's, and that's all I need to do. I mean, just kind of give that distraction to him. Well, I was listening to a priest the other day on a YouTube channel, and he said we should start to practice custody of the mind. Mm-hmm. Okay, so custody of the mind, I liken to custody of the eyes. That's a little easier to understand because it's like, what are you watching? To why do what are you watching on TV? Is it is it goodness? Is it purity? Um, so you're taking custody. You're being very thoughtful about what you're allowing in to your sight, also to your ears as well, right? So custody of the eyes and custody of the ears. We know that, right? that thought of being custody of the mind and having more control over what am I allowing in? Okay. That was my first thought. Wow. How do you do that? He didn't really offer like, how do you exactly do that? So I'm going to ask you guys, like, how do you do that? I can tell you what I've started doing. I've, what I've started doing with the custody of the mind is when there are, um, let's say they're not necessarily bad thoughts, but they don't lead me back to God, right? They're not necessarily bad. So what I'll do is I will say like a Hail Mary to kind of switch gears. So I'm always wanting to switch gears and kind of fine tune the channel when I feel like this is not where the direction God wants me. You can kind of feel that, you know, gossip, um, too much of the news. So intellectual curiosity, I used to always pride myself on, oh, I'm intellectually curious. Woohoo, yay me. No, so I've really gotten rid of that. Um, because that can also lead to a lack of custody of the mind. And I've noticed that because I'm a big newsy because I, I, you know, even the Catholic church has really coached me into saying that we need to be participants in the, the place, the, uh, yeah, the place. So custody of the mind folks, I think that means that are your thoughts leading you to God? And if not, how do you get it back on track? Pam's pondering. So that's just a question for you today to think about. What are you pondering? But with that, we're going to go on to the break. And after that, we'll have this amazing interview with Bishop David Condola on hope, faith, and love. Well, welcome, welcome. You are listening to Red Sea Roundup, and I am your host today, Pam Marvin. And this will be a pre-recorded, has been a pre-recorded 
session. So we ask that there be no phone calls during this hour. But coming up, we have um, our guest, His Eminence, Bishop David Condorla. Welcome, Bishop. Thank you. It's very good to be with you on the air. Long time since I've been on Red Sea Radio. Yes, we've been longing for this voice on these airwaves. You know, we're throughout Central Texas. We also have a station in Waco, K-Y-A-R, and in Palestine, K-I-N-F, out of uh, Palestine. So we have a big old swath of Texas. Those may be new since I came north. Yes, I think so. But I want to tell our listeners... um, a little bit more about your background, if they don't know, um, if you're out of the Brazos Valley especially. Um, but Bishop David is born and raised here in the Bryan College Station area. He actually went to St. Joseph's School, uh, where my children attend, and my kids go to school with his some of his relatives even still today. And uh, you became a priest. Well, you entered in 85, is that correct, and became a priest what year, Bishop? I was ordained in 1995. 1995. Awesome. And you were the um, pastor here at St. Mary's uh, Catholic Center. And during those times, we all were just falling in love with you. We always say you're a blessed son of the Brazos Valley, you and uh, Bishop Sis. So I'm so glad to have you on today. As, as we're talking off the air, um, this whole past year or more, I've really dedicated my show on... Um, basically human formation uh, with emphasis on the virtues. And we've taken different virtues over time. And I've been saving the supernatural virtues of hope, faith, and charity for Bishop David, because he just has such a great, succinct, and wonderful way of really articulating these really, um, I think, more challenging to understand, because they are infused theological virtues. So I just, again, want to thank you so much for taking time out of your day to to really be very pastoral to us and, and talk to us about these virtues. Well, I, I think we could start by directing everyone to their catechism, uh, Article 7, paragraph 1803 is where the discussion begins about the theological virtues, faith, hope, and love. And, of course, everyone's catechism is handy right next to their their sitting chair where they read it every day <clears throat> and <laughs> or their smartphone like me <laughs> yeah. yeah that's true that's true i guess people have it on their phones mm-hmm. so however you access it it remains for all of us a constantly good idea to constantly be reading we we ought to give some thought to how much time do we allow other voices to address us throughout the week with all the kinds of media, TV, radio, um, entertainment venues, newspapers, magazines, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, versus how much time do we allow God's word, either in the scriptures or in our own uh, spiritual reading, to address us. And we should hope that there would be some parity there because Uh, the one thing that's going to get us to heaven and the thing that's going to make us joyful in this life is not going to be found in the TV and in the media and all the rest of it. Not usually. Uh, So anyway, have those, the catechism article and paragraphs 
uh, it's good for a person to read through those. But, you know, when we talk about the, the theological virtues as being infused virtues mm-hmm. and, and the rest, already perhaps people's eyes begin to glaze over because it starts to sound abstract. But I think that another way to think of the theological virtues is to think of them as a superpower. Uh, In the age of Marvel comics and all the different movies of that whole franchise, uh, we've become familiar with all these people who have superpowers. Uh, Why does a superhero have a superpower if it's not to use it? Mm. And they should use it because having it is so great the fact that it exists, it carries with it sort of a, a duty to use it. And the same can be said for the virtues. Uh, the virtues and everything about the spiritual life and everything about growing in holiness is all about action in this life. Uh, we shouldn't think of these things as static or passive or abstract. Mm. One of the, you know, in quoting the catechism, one of the things that really jumped out at me that I'd never kind of, it's a little fresh perspective just to piggyback onto what you're saying is that um, these theological virtues are, I guess, through the Holy Spirit are a pledge of the presence and action of the Holy Spirit in the faculties of the human being. So it's like through the Holy Spirit that he kind of um, animates, let's say, these virtues. And that's very important for us to, to realize. A lot of it is, I think, just realizing the things that we read and say that we believe, to realize that, for example, when we love someone who's difficult to love, or when we show patience with someone who gets on our nerves, or when we stand up to some task that ordinarily weighs us down and we see ourselves do it, that is a sign of the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. as if you could suddenly realize it and say, oh, hello, Holy Spirit. Uh, look at that happening in my life. The saints become attractive to us when we learn about their life, what they face and how they live, if you see a statue of a saint, someone you don't know, in a church or in a, in a stained glass window or something, what's the first thing you want to know? Who were they? What did mm-hmm. they do? Why are they a saint? You want to hear about the action. You mm-hmm. want to hear about uh, what they did with the virtues. You don't say it that way. You don't say, you don't look at a new saint and say, So how did they use faith, hope, and love? But that's what you want to know. Uh, Today we have, for example, this great uh, saint of the church, St. Gregory the Great. And, of course, unless you study patristics or he happens to be your patron or something, you may not know much about him. But let me read just a little bit from the writing in the Office of Readings from Gregory today. And I think most people would realize in hearing what he wrote, it's sort of like a journal that he's writing. In reading what he wrote, 
we feel a certain uh, a certain closeness to him because it it sounds like something that could be from our own life. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the paragraphs he writes, with my mind divided and torn to pieces by so many problems. So he's been writing and talking about the difference between when he was a monk, because he was a Benedictine monk, and now that he's Pope, and how peaceful and calm and meditative things were when he was this monk, and now he's the busy Pope, and he wonders, am I sliding backward in the spiritual life now that I'm a Pope? And he says, with my mind divided and torn to pieces by so many problems, how can I meditate or preach wholeheartedly without neglecting the ministry of proclaiming the gospel? Mm. Moreover, in my position, I must often communicate with worldly men. At times, I let my tongue run. For if I am always severe in my judgments, the worldly will avoid me, and I can never attack them as I would. As a result, I often listen patiently to chatter. Mm. And because I too am weak, I find myself drawn little by little into idle conversation. And I begin to talk freely about matters which once I would have avoided. What once I found tedious, I now enjoy. Mm. If Gregory had heard about Twitter or about Facebook or about (laughs) television, comedy series, etc., he would have felt right at home in our world because he was facing the similar things then. Right. Wow. What a great saying. And yet, he employed the virtue. He was a virtuous man. That's why we call him St. Gregory the Great. Right. Uh, he used the virtues of faith, hope, and love, as well as the others, but certainly of faith, hope, and love, to overcome these challenges and these temptations that were part of his daily life. Exactly. Yeah. When, you know, also from the catechism, I really loved um, the correlation it makes with faith is a theological virtue by which we believe in God. So that is like a choice. So faith has always been kind of a concept. Well, some people, they say it's just a gift. Others would say, no, well, faith is a choice. It's a belief. You choose to believe it. Um, Father, actually, Greg here at St. Mary's gave a beautiful homily along those lines, which I'd never seen it in that in that aspect, that it is a belief in God. So I guess if you want to increase faith, you say, help my own belief, yes? Yes, I think that's what we, the key to these three virtues and growing in them, understanding them deeper, being attracted by them, is precisely to think about or to think of them through the lens of action, mm. of my daily life and action. I have a little prayer card attached to uh, a little box on my desk that I see every day. And it's a little prayer that came to me in a moment of probably vexation or frustration or, or anxiety. And I wrote on this little card, this day and every day, God is waiting to act in my life through every action and decision in which I place trust in him. Mm. That little prayer reminds me that today, not some far-off future thing, today in, the, in the, the challenges and the blessings and the activities of this day, God is waiting to act in my life every time I consciously trust him. 
and then do the thing I need to do. My Episcopal motto uses Psalm 127, which is the psalm that starts out that says, if the Lord does not build the house, in vain do its builders labor. Mm. And there's a particular line in there that is the reason why I chose it, uh, because it talks about renewing faith each day. And the line says, in vain is your earlier rising and your going later to rest. When he pours gifts on his beloved while they slumber. So it reminds us that we can work as hard as we want. We can stay up late. We can get up early. We can work ourselves to the bone. And God pours gifts on his beloved while they're sleeping. And we've all experienced that a, a time in our life when there was some difficult thing that was facing us. And before we could even do something about it, suddenly it cleared itself up. Well, that's God uh, pouring his gifts on us as his beloved while we were sleeping. Wow. So, so faith is that kind of an active virtue in which today I look at the things that cause me to draw back and I say, you know what? That makes me anxious. I'm afraid of that thing over there. This makes me sad. This is depresses me. And yet, I'm going to do the things that I need to do. That's what faith is about. Right. Which you mentioned trust there, because in the catechism, it links the supernatural virtue of hope to trust. You know, it is hope is the theological virtue by which we desire the kingdom of heaven and eternal life as our happiness placing our trust in Christ's promises, which is really what you're saying. The faith moves right into that trust, which is also a form of hope, which was very enlightening to me. I like a a little book I have called The One-Minute Philosopher by a man named Montague Brown. And one of the little chapters, he makes the distinction between hoping and wishing. Mm. that hope and wish are two different things. I wish I could win the lottery. I wish all the abortion clinics in the world would close forever. I wish I got along better with my neighbor or my friend or my family worker. I can wish all day long about lots of things, and none of those wishes make me do anything about it. None of those wishes change me or what I actually do today. I just wish it. But when I hope for something, then I think the thought or I feel the feeling, but I do something about it. So if I wish I could win the lottery and I want to really hope, instead of wish, I want to hope I win the lottery, well, I'm going to buy a ticket. Uh, If I hope all the abortion clinics will close, then I'm going to work uh, to make sure that that happens politically or in the realm of social action, and so forth. If I wish I got along better with my neighbor, friend, family member, then I'm going to look inside of me and see what about me makes that dif- that relationship difficult, and I'll do what I can to change that. And that's the difference between hope and wish. So this theological virtue of hope is very active. I have to hope on the Holy Spirit, hope on God, place my hope and trust in God, and then act. Whatever I'm hoping for, 
I'm going to act. I'm going to work towards it. Right. That call to action with God's grace to, to move in you through the Holy Spirit. That's, that's hope. Yeah, absolutely. The same is true for this final virtue of love. Uh, I think most uh, people in our world today may have forgotten that love is not primarily an emotion. We, we tend to think of the, the poetic and the, the love song love, you know, we, we love someone, it's about what I feel. But love is really related to what I do for the beloved. Uh, love is when I will the good of the beloved. So again, it becomes an active virtue. I can't love someone passively in the way that the theological virtue of love is. I can feel love towards someone and not do anything about it. Mm -hmm. I just feel love towards someone. But if I want to actually love someone, then I have to do something uh, along the lines of what's good for them. That's how I love them in an active way. Right. I remember the first time I heard the notion of uh, love as a verb, especially in the context of marriage prep. Love is a verb. You know, the, you've probably heard it where the young couple comes to the priest. The priest they're saying, we're having trouble. We just don't love each other anymore. And he says, well, then just go love each other <laughs> as a verb, which um, I think is definitely a message that needs to be in our culture more pervasively. It's like, how can you outdo them in, in charity and in generosity? I mean, that is what love is and loving our neighbor as well. Yeah, if a person says, I don't love you anymore, if what they mean is I don't feel love for you anymore, that doesn't that doesn't change things much or doesn't, doesn't need to. It certainly doesn't need to end the marriage over it. If I don't feel love for you anymore, then I should do the loving things for you and watch and see, perhaps the feeling of love comes back. Exactly. I love them. I, now that you know, Paul and I will be celebrating 30 years this year and we teach, we've helped out with marriage prep and it does say that, uh, you know, God even gives you these crosses to carry them together during those times. And that when you're not experiencing those feelings, but they come back with abundance and twofold after the trials are endured. So that's uh, another way that that love um, kind of multiplies when you use it as a verb. Yeah, and I think having a, a proper understanding of what love, especially love and marriage, means from the beginning uh, helps inoculate a couple against the inevitable letdown, so to speak. Well, let's say it this way, against the inevitable coming back down from the mountaintop into the valley where we live. Mm -hmm. It's wonderful to go to the mountains and to see the wonderful great views and to feel the uplift of the lower air pressure and all the rest of it, but we don't live on the mountaintop. If we did, we would freeze to death. We live down in the valley where the diapers are <laughs> and the car payments. And so we have to, at some point, we have to come back down to the valley and there can be a letdown if we don't expect that that's what's going to happen. If we went up on the mountain thinking, yeah, this is what love is all about. Uh, 
Well, no, it's not really. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Bishop, I want to switch it too, because um, in these day and times, uh, I personally feel there's a real lack of um, love toward neighbor, you know, that charity and love towards our neighbor. And I, I, can you speak on that for just real practical ways that we can, as um, human beings, increase love of neighbor in our daily life? Well, I think one thing, again, going back to uh, what kind of a diet, spiritual, intellectual diet, do we have, so much of our culture, its media, its news organizations, etc., so much of it is built on division and built on uh, looking for and, if, if not there naturally, creating conflict because that's what gets page likes and that's what gets clicks and so forth. Uh, that is so prevalent throughout our culture that if that's the main part of our diet, intellectually and spiritually, then it's going to form us. We can't expect that it won't have some impact on us. So it's up to us to really be careful about what we feed on, Mm -hmm. uh, real food versus junk food, so to speak. Uh, And the more we do that, the more we we maintain contact with how human life and human relationships really are, not how they're portrayed to be, the more that will form us too. Uh, The more that we find ourselves turned off, for example, by ridiculous conflict or by uh, stupid news reporting and things like that. Um, The more we can grow in this desire to look for those parts of the human life and human experience that are about love and compassion and uh, mutual sharing, friendship, authentic relationships. You know, what I'm hearing as you're talking about that too is... um it's, it's overall decline in that kind of discipline um, to get more away from. I think somehow in the 60s and 70s, we had this runaway train of the feelings being king kind of deal. And, and now here in 2019, it's pretty predominant. Um, people go with the way they feel as opposed to the discipline and getting back to what the truth is and, and loving your neighbor because of their human dignity um, to love that way and as a discipline. Would you agree with that? Yes. Um, you know, one of the things about the virtues, they're called stable habits in favor of the good. A stable habit becomes stable or, or, or a habit becomes stable through uh, practice, through repeat, repetition. So if I want to become better at my golf swing, I'm going to have to work on it. It probably doesn't come naturally to me. Well, if I want to become better at a patient reaction to uh, the way people talk, then I'm going to have to uh, continuously and repetitiously practice doing that. So I think discipline is where the practice happens. But over time, it does become natural to a person. The saints uh, were people who had 
practiced the virtues so well that the virtues became more natural to them. Right. Well, do you have a, a little pastoral tip for those of us that uh, want to practice virtue, say, on a weekly, daily basis? Uh, like, pick one, or is there a certain methodology that you've used in the past, Bishop, that uh, has really worked for you to help in growth in virtue? Because that's what this radio well, show has really been about, is growth in virtue. Well, one thing I would say is that uh, connected to all of this is the Sacrament of Reconciliation. And so certainly uh, for a person who recognizes a particular vice that is giving them most trouble, uh, one way that you can recognize a particular vice that's causing you trouble is because you are constant or frequently regularly making an examination of conscience in preparation for the sacrament of confession. And if you find a particular thing keeps coming up as you make this examination of conscience, that can become the natural thing you begin to work on and to pray about. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing that's so important about the theological virtues is that they are works of the Holy Spirit in us. Mm -hmm. No one wants our holiness more than God does. So if we want the thing that God wants, he will help us make it happen. That's beautiful. So yes, the... The um, kind of the two for you know the prayer and the sacraments together is 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 the underlying uh, really method to of that growth in in virtue growth in holiness. Absolutely. Um, so I really like um, the idea of the charity too against for our neighbor. You know, one of the things I teach my children. I really want to add this one in and get this in before we wrap up. Is that uh, that just good old-fashioned manners has really been done away with. I mean, I think about the manners of my grandmother and the manners that we exhibit these days in our culture. And to me, that's a way of uh, really respecting the human dignity and of the other and uh, bringing that charity back into play. And, you know, that's why I think that, uh, what was that show, Downton Abbey, had got so much traction is because of their etiquette was so great, um, that, mm -hmm. that reverence for the other. And, and so, uh, any practical tips for increasing in that, just that basic, uh, love for human dignity? Oh, I, I agree with you entirely that, uh, manners is a basic kind of thing, like learning how to walk. Um, a ballet dancer who can do incredible things with their legs, first had to learn how to walk. And so manners is a way for us to, to distinguish ourselves from the crude or the rude culture and society that we find around us, especially in our media. Uh, people will do things and say things anonymously for instance, think of how we sometimes treat each other in our cars. You cut someone off in traffic that you would never do that to them in person. Mm. Uh, you think something about someone or yell something at someone that you would never do to that person in person. Well, that tells us something. Uh, why would we do it when it's anonymous? And if we, if we develop these good manners, 
proper manners, then we wouldn't do it even when it was anonymous. Exactly. Well, that's a tough one, trying to increase it uh, in our culture today. I mean, I think there's, I know as a parent myself, there's still definitely, definitely room for improvement always in uh, increasing that respect and politeness. I think that's just a, a characteristic that we hear in the South. I didn't realize until I was much older was such a, which is found here more so than other places. So increasing in that mm-hmm. uh, respect in word, deed. Yes, I would think that's uh, one of the ways we can increase that. Well, let's go well, ahead. And- God desires to work powerfully in our lives. So every little effort that we make is an invitation to him to do so. So let's make those invitations. Absolutely. Well, if you could, I would love for you just to kind of recap as we're getting closer to the end of the show here on just Mm -hmm. um, kind of your little nuggets about faith, hope, and love, about how to increase in each of these virtues over time, some real practical suggestions for our listeners. Well, I think the the proper approach to the virtues is not to think of them as something abstract that's stuck in the pages of the catechism, but something that's going to increase the joy and happiness of my life right now today, if I will employ them to the degree that I employ them, that these virtues are signs, tangible signs of the Holy Spirit present to me today, and that knowing that the Holy Spirit is present to me today is the source of joy in this life and heaven in the next. And then the um, hope, I like that, that is a, it starts from a desire and then an increase in trust. Any, any, any quick ways on how to increase trust in God? I know that's what I've really been working on, Bishop, that de- well, abandonment again, to divine I think providence. We, I think we sometimes get emotion confused with uh, action or with the virtues. So uh, if I'm anxious about something, uh, let's say that I have a, a challenging project at work and I'm anxious about it. Uh, that doesn't mean that I don't trust. If I'm anxious about it, then I can make an act of trust. I can make a prayer to the Holy Spirit to come to my aid. I can do my best in preparation and in execution, and then I move forward. So lack of trust would mean that I worried and worried and let my worry prevent me from preparing and let my worry prevent me from praying and let my worry maybe even prevent me from doing the thing. Trust means I may feel the same. I may feel just as anxious, but because I trust God, I do my best and I move forward. Wonderful. I just want to remind our listeners, we are listening to Red Sea Roundup, an interview with Bishop David Condola of Tulsa, Oklahoma, and we are talking about the supernatural virtues of faith, hope, and love. Well, I'm so thankful that we could have more of this conversation. So is there um, something else in your little quiver of tips that you could give us about growing in, say, the virtue of love? Well, I think for all of us, one of the things that's most important 
is what I was saying at the beginning, that we do make sure that in our normal day-to-day life, we are providing sufficient time and space to surround ourselves with the truth of the faith. The catechism, the lives of the saints, novels about the saints, uh, Bishop Barron's Word on Fire series, all the kinds of things that we have around us, the scriptures themselves, that uh, keep us immersed in real life, which is life with God, as opposed to the matrix life, which is life apart from God. Right. Another thing I'm, I'm really hearing, um, which I think um, Warren's saying as well, is that that certain amount of unplugging, you know, we started off the conversation talking about how we can get a little too caught up in current events and news and so forth, and that can kind of have us have a spiraling down, kind of bring us down in many ways and take us away from the truth of Christ. So a little bit of unplugging, especially in those times, you know, maybe a morning, noon, and night, right, to to step away and collect our thoughts uh, and get back to God in those moments of prayer along with the sacraments as well. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and there's so many great aids to it. We have all these... Uh the iBrevery online, for example, uh, a great online tool full of a treasury of prayers that a person can pull up quickly. Uh, one can get, you know, you can download Audible Rosary on wow. your phone and listen to that in the car. Uh, wouldn't that be better than the shock jock in the morning who's rude and crude and, oh. and uh, oh. making fun of everything? Bishop, I think all of our listeners probably listen to Red Sea, right, listeners? <laughs> First Red thing sea in the is morning. Good, yeah, Catholic radio generally <laughs> is a good thing to uh, surround oneself with. Yes, indeed. But you're right. I know several people who um, have their favorite versions of the Rosary and the Divine Mercy um, mm-hmm. chaplet, which is a great one at that three o'clock hour as well. Really great addition for me personally to my little prayer life as well, as well as uh, frequent reception of the sacraments and prayer. Yeah. Yeah. Thaddeus, you uh, want to throw something in there? Bishop David, uh, Thaddeus here. Um, I know you came from a large, wonderful Catholic family. Um, I just got a chance to see your brother, Chuck, uh, over the weekend. And um, can you speak to how the three theological virtues, just in your own upbringing, your memory, are at work in, in family life and how we can make them at work in family, in family life? If I enroll in a gymnasium and I pay the entry fee and I go into the gymnasium and there's two five-pound dumbbells in the place, I'm going to want my money back. But if I enroll in a gymnasium and pay the entry fee and go in there and there's every kind of conceivable torture device and machine and weight in the place, (laughs) and I look at it all and I see, gosh, that's going to make me awfully sore, I still know I've gotten my money. Uh, There are going to be weights and, and devices and machines in that place that I can't lift right now. I I couldn't even come close. 
but maybe in some months or years of, of uh, constant practice and working out, I might work my way up to that. Well, that's the right kind of gymnasium. So that's what I think about family life. If, if people come, it's somewhat like beginning marriage itself. If, if people enter the marriage imagining that we're going to have a brood of children and they're going to be such beautiful little saintly creatures and they're going to look like the little pictures that we have in our catechism book of the little children with their hands folded and angelic, then be careful because you're setting yourself up uh, because that's not likely if they're healthy and well-fed, that's not likely how they're going to be. Uh, what's more likely is that they're going to be like every kid you know who's <laughs> a mix <laughs> of, mm -hmm. of uh, beautiful, angelic, <laughs> cherubic <laughs> activity and real life. And so if you uh, allow for room for the whole family, including yourself, to be human as you are, and to be striving to grow, then I think you will achieve the long-suffering and the patience that will make that growth possible over time. Hmm. I, that reminds me of something that uh, a Catholic radio show host said some time ago. He was talking about family life, and he said, you know, every time they, they basically act uh, rotten or they, they do something that you don't want them to do or they're selfish or petulant, you know, they're just, they're just acting like the fallen creature that they are. It's all, it's only you and, uh, the, the grace of the sacraments operating through you and through, through their sacraments that, uh, helps them achieve the, uh, the, the good moment. So basically saying, don't, don't be down or despair when, when they, um, act less than the angelic creatures like you were just describing. They're, they're just kind of acting on their nature at that point. Is that, is that mm -hmm. fair to say? Right, right. Uh, now, if the parent acts the way the child does, naturally that doesn't help the child because the parent is the child's model, mm -hmm. but it also doesn't help the parent because mm -hmm. the parent is, is uh, reacting in a way that uh, may be natural and understandable given whatever's going on in the house that day, but at the same time, it's something that causes the parent great grief. It's like our kids get along a lot better with the people at school than they do with one another oftentimes. <laughs> That's why I often tell my daughter, you know, when you uh, can, can overcome and not fight with your sister, then you're really going to be in good shape. Familiarity breeds contempt, yeah. that old saying, yeah. Well, I think it's the, the case that our family has to love us. Everyone else, we have to win their love. Yes, uh, yes. So true. So true, yeah. And especially I have another, uh, oftentimes you're starting to see it a little bit more where they do have extended family members either in the home or being cared for uh, close by, which is another avenue for um, continued growth and formation as well. You know, being that patient when you have a, several generations in one area as well. Very helpful. Very helpful to children, I think. Um, you know, not having extended family around 
uh, is somewhat unnatural to the human experience. Mm. You know, it's a part of our modern life because right. of the mobility and everything. But it's not something that's necessarily good for us. We have to find ways to fill those voids of other people, other adults in the life of children who can provide good modeling and good mentoring and nurturing. Wonderful. Well, you know, thank you so much again for joining us, Bishop David. And uh, um, we're about wrapped up, and I would really love to get your um, your blessing for us and all of our listeners here as we round up um, this edition of Red Sea Roundup on the virtues of hope, faith, and love. So, Bishop, with that, would you give us your blessing? Absolutely. <clears throat> In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Lord, we ask you to continue to bless and prosper all those who listen to the Catholic radio station here and everywhere. Help us to grow in our lives and through the power and presence of your Holy Spirit. Send your blessing upon all those who are listening here in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Well, join us next time on Red Sea Roundup. And until then, go and love your neighbor. Since you wake up.